Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, it's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game, and welcome in. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you. More thoughts on Carolina and Tennessee. Shane Beamer's weekly press conference 1.30 this afternoon, he will have his final thoughts on the Tennessee game as well as starting to look ahead to Clemson. We'll take that cue tomorrow. But today, sort of the de facto notebook dumb day. So if you have any thoughts on Tennessee, get them in in this last hour. Tomorrow we're talking Clemson. No show on Thursday, so we'll have to get all of our preview in basically tomorrow and then, of course, save uh, the rest and the, the predictions and such for Friday. But I want to start today by doing something that you all know that I don't like to do. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to give Wes Mitchell credit. At about the midway point of the season, we did a fun exercise, I thought. An instructive exercise. Who's Carolina's best 11 offensive players? And we went through, had a lot of similarities, but Wes had one notable difference. His offensive line was different than the offensive line that we'd seen for the entire season. Ja'Kai Moore, Vershawn Lee, Eric Douglas, Javon Gwynn, Dylan Wanham. That was South Carolina starting five for most of the season. There's been some Trey Jones with Vershawn Lee out. And maybe we have seen the five that we saw on Saturday, but it's only been in spot duty. But as best I can remember, and I wanted to ask you and Chris, because y'all are better with you know lineups and snap counts and things like that. Was that the first time that we have seen South Carolina run extended action, Jalen Nichols at left tackle, Ja'Kai Moore at left guard. That was the second time. Second, okay. Um, they actually did that 
at Florida as well. Um, and uh, it was not not for the entire game. Okay. Um, I think if I remember right, Trey Jones. St- yes, he Trey, started. Trey Jones Vershawn started. Sick. Yep, Trey Jones started, and um, at some point in the game, I think maybe second quarter. They put Ja'Kai in at left guard, and then he played the rest of the game. Okay. And then that was the configuration for the entire game against Tennessee. You said that in October. It made a lot of sense at the time. That left side of the line's been a turnstile for parts of the season for South Carolina. That was the best game the offensive line played. Now, here's the part that's hard to parse, and I'm glad that you – see, this is why I asked you because I knew you would know. You knew you would know the Florida game – and the Tennessee game, opposite ends of the spectrum. So maybe they cancel each other out. Maybe it had more to do with Tennessee and Spencer and Marcus Satterfield. But it did kind of feel like watching those five that they'd stum- they'd finally, 11 games into the season, stumbled onto their best five offensive linemen. So tell me what you saw in October that made you think those were the best guys, and tell me why you do or do not think that that five can sustainably perform like they did on Saturday. Yeah, I've, I've just always really thought Ja'Kai was a guy who brought some extra athleticism to that side, and um, I think if I'm gonna be completely honest, I think I I think I had Jakai at left tackle, and I moved Jalen into left guard. Okay. Um, but that was my my personnel on those are your five anyway. Yeah, those are my five. Um, and I I just uh, you know Jalen's a guy who's been around a while. He is very athletic as well, very explosive. Um, I think at times in the past he has struggled with the edge rush a little bit, just those super fast twitchy guys you're going to see in um you know in the sec but uh, he graded out at what was it 90 they said he's co-sec offensive player of the week yeah, I think, with spencer and, and the left side if you really look at their offensive struggles this year the right side has been pretty solid and the left side has been more shaky so you look at you solidify that against tennessee and uh you know all of a sudden everything's clicking a little bit and i you know what i don't think this was a bad Tennessee front. Like, there are some talented guys. Um, Byron Young, um, really, really impressive pass rusher. He's actually from the state of South Carolina as well. South Carolina tried to get him out of Georgia military, and uh, he went to Tennessee instead. Has had a phenomenal season for them. It's not like you were just playing some, you know, it's an easy matchup. It was a, a good group, and I think it was a combination of the physical aspect. Like, they looked comfortable. But also the mental aspect, like I saw them picking up blitzes, uh, picking up stunts, and then Spencer um, trusted them Mm -hmm. as well. He stepped up in the pocket. We talked about this yesterday. Just about every decision he made as far as when to navigate up in the pocket, when to get out of the pocket, when to throw on the run, when to throw away, it was like every single decision was the the right one. So all Mm -hmm. those things cohesively sort of came together. Uh, Chris, do you uh do you have quick access to PFF? I can. Okay, because this is not a hot take anymore, but Nate Atkins is Carolina's best tight end, and when they lined him up in the backfield as an extra pass protector, because Carolina ran a lot more two-man routes in that game, I noticed, than I have for most of the season, I think, and using him as that extra blocker helped. I, I bet he graded out astonishingly high, both run blocking and pass blocking, because he threw a bunch of good blocks in that game. Yeah, we had some people, um, and I will look that up, Wes had pointed out against Florida, and and that was kind of one of those things that was easy to miss. Like, a lot of people after that game, the reaction wasn't, let's dive into this tape, see Mm -hmm. what they were doing. I did not watch the game. (laughs) Right, so 
you know, they they did that against Florida, and Nate Atkins was in the backfield against Florida almost as much as he was. He had one less snap in the backfield against Florida than he did against Tennessee. Again, easy to miss. Mm -hmm. And that just illustrates when people are saying, the entire game plan was completely different. They burned the playbook. They created a new playbook in three days and installed it. No, there were some there were some differences, you know, and we've covered some of those, but some of the concepts are very similar. Um, you know, Nate Atkins against yeah against Florida backfield, uh, he played forty eight total snaps. He lined up nine times in the backfield per PFF against Tennessee. He played sixty nine snaps, lined wow. up ten times nice. in the backfield. But we've seen him. We saw him. Uh, Here's where he lined up against Tennessee. 10 in the backfield, 38 in line, which would be your kind of typical tight end alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, slot, 12. Wow. He lined up in the slot a good bit. One of those little out routes that he had, he was in the slot, lined up out wide once. So they used him in a variety of ways, and he was definitely he, – he's been a, a critical part of what they were doing, that's, a huge part of that. It's a good game. tight end room, and I think yeah. he's emerged as the best guy in that room. Let's give credit on two ends of it. One, he was the very last available scholarship yep. for South Carolina this past offseason. And um, I thought, hey, may, maybe find a safety. Like, maybe uh, maybe add another DB to this group. Um, a lot of people sort of uh, criticized that move. And he's come in. He's been a big part of what they do in all facets of the offense, I think. And then, to me, that was such a savvy move to do that because, as we've talked about, we've been talking about it more in the running game, but you're missing Marshawn Lloyd. You're missing CBS. So you don't want the smaller Juju as your pass pro guy on third and passing downs, right? Well, you're wasting Jaheim if in passing situations you stand him in the backfield and say go – pass pro and that's not a strength of his at all anyway so the move is put Atkins almost as Rattler's like personal protector Mm -hmm. in the backfield on that and now you can still put Jaheim out in routes if you want on those third down situations so I I thought that was incredibly savvy it didn't get any credit against Florida because the overall uh, well we all saw it but um Pretty sharp move there. Yeah, but I mean, as a lead blocker in the run game as well, and we've seen him get some of his first action in the passing game in the last couple of weeks. It was what one catch against Florida and then two against Tennessee. Good I mean, hands. He's, he, he's he's all around. He's there. I I wonder why he hasn't emerged earlier. Of you know, we can make our best guesses on that. But but he's been doing everything for. Them. Well, he did everything for them in Tennessee week. Spencer, yes. Juice, yes. Tonka, like we talked about, all the obvious stars in that game. This is what's fun about a Tuesday show. We can get in the weeds and. And he emerged. I mean, he really jumped out, jumped off the page to me as someone on a second watch. You know what his hometown is? Knoxville, Tennessee. Is it really? Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yep. Pretty special. Greg Atkins, his dad, former Tennessee assistant. Um, Nate Atkins, overall grade, 75.4, which is a good grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth highest graded player on the offense. Hard to believe. Like, there are some players, you know, PFF's average grade is what, West 60? 60 is if you did nothing the, to the help and nothing to hurt. Hard to believe that anybody has below a baseline. They scored 63 points. Yeah. Everybody's offensive grade should be like a so 90. So Spencer was number one. That's right. Jalen Nichols, number two? No. Juice. Juice was number two. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got this ready. Okay, here we go. Um, juice! What about Javon? Nope. Javon's in the top ten. 
Who's got a number three guess? You got Spencer one, Juice two, Nate Atkins number four. Who can give three let, and five? Ooh, bonus oh points. Man. Let, let me just say, Spencer should have had 100. I don't care, I don't care <laughs> I what is in the analytics. I don't care how they do it. He should have had 100, period. Um, wow. Okay, so Juice is two. That makes sense. Um, oh, three or five has got to be Jaheim. Jaheim is number three. And number five is Josh Van. Nope. Dang it. Nope. Two touchdown catches, nope. though. Number, number five. Number five is... Uh, We've named everyone on the offense now, so it's not even impressive if we get any more. DK? <laughs> That's right. It's oh, DK. nice. Carry on, joiner, number five. He's... Man, I don't know how many how many snaps did he play? Um, let's see. The carry on joiner just nineteen snaps, but they were very key nineteen yeah. snaps. I feel like gave yeah. just enough. Does a, and I to give Chris credit, he said this during the Florida game. One of, obviously it was one of the few bright spots in that game. <laughs> Does he not look more explosive? Yes. Like yeah, it felt like last year when they would run those plays, he couldn't quite accelerate quick enough to make it happen. Now, is that physical, though, or is that mental? Like, can he go because he knows what he's supposed to be doing? Because that's what I felt like watching Saturday. Everybody was a half step quicker because everybody was actually executing with conviction, where it feels like we're watching them second second guess a lot of these plays. Yeah, that's why that early conversion was really impressive to me. It was a tough, hard run. It was only a four or five-yard run. The first, first one he ran out of the Wildcat, but he looked explosive enough to see the hole, hit the hole, and get the conversion that we hadn't seen to this point, period. Yeah. So it, that was, it's interesting how that sort of seems like it's playing out. Yeah, he, I, I he agree. He had two touchdowns in the game, right? Yeah, the early one where he sort of just powered in, and yeah. then a late one where great cutback. Like, they, yeah. they sort of tried to cut him off, and he, he saw the uh, space and, and cut it back. But, you know, we talked about it going in. It was going to be hard to have, you weren't going to just go have a, huge rushing day against them but they really manufactured enough to to move the chains mm. and to to keep them honest and I, I thought they did a good job with that motion stuff uh just using juice a little bit using uh Leggett a little bit Marion brown had a nice one yeah and Marion brown man that guy is so quick he's so fast but they um you know they do a lot of that motion all season long but then they haven't handed it off as much to those guys and then the last few weeks with because of lloyd yeah. They've kind of been forced to, but I think it's really forced the defenses to kind of acknowledge the well, you, edge. You got to give bit. it, and you got to spring one. And Carolina mm-hmm. sprung a couple early in that game, which which helped. And it was the same thing was on the Vanderbilt game. They they ran what three reverses on the opening drive against Vanderbilt, and then you got everybody off balance. It's it was, yeah. but it but it was the it was, and this is this comes back to Marcus Satterfield, who deserves a lot of credit, obviously. But we have not often seen the punch. And the counterpunch. Like, Carolina has not always had the counterpunch ready. And, and the Vanderbilt game and the Tennessee game, I think that's what we've seen. They're setting stuff up. Yeah, and I think um, we've seen the few times um, that we've seen this offense really go. Um, you know, first half of Vandy, whole game against Tennessee, the entire bowl game. It's been when Carolina has been able to execute its, I, dare, I guess you call it its base stuff, whatever it's trying to do at the beginning. And then it's kind of gotten into a flow and they've been able to actually kind of build and do complimentary plays. It's like when they when they aren't executing whatever they're trying to do at the beginning, it's like they never get to mm-hmm. that complimentary stuff. It's a pretty deep playbook. So once they get out there and there's uh, – we've talked about that a lot. But 
once they get out there and they're executing at a high level and what they're trying to do off the top, you can, it kind of does build on itself and it kind of snowballs from there and the guys are having fun and everybody's getting involved then. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nate Atkins, as good as he's been, is probably not on the top five of what you go in saying, hey, this is a guy we got to get the football to. Mm-hmm. But when you're having a bunch of successful plays, making, you know, converting your third downs, um, they had what, two third downs they didn't convert? They were eight of 11, so three. Eight, eight of 11, and then were two for two on fourth down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, you know, you're 10 for 13 combined on third and fourth down. So, you know, I, I think when you're on the field and converting, you get everybody involved and everybody's having fun. And then you can do the fun stuff like the the throwback to Spencer from to carry on. Um, and everybody's just having a lot more fun when the ball's getting spread around. 803-404-6100. It is a notebook dump day. So if you have any more thoughts from the Carolina-Tennessee game, any other observations, players that you feel like uh, deserve to have their efforts highlighted, let us know. Love Chevy phone line, text line, Twitter, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach B Tweets, Wes Mitchell GC and GC Chris Clark. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. It's true for the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about 500 bucks a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members now. They've shared over four billion in medical bills so yeah they can handle your bills too and here's the thing if you join metashare complete right now before november 30th they will waive your new member fee so you're going to save even more metashare is the gold standard in healthcare sharing and joining right now makes a lot of sense again pay no new member fees if you join now and start enjoying great savings and a great way to handle your health care call now 844-57-BIBLE that's 844-57-BIBLE 844-57-BIBLE the world tournament of soccer happening in qatar is finally here and with all the weird kickoff times and all the other sports happening simultaneously it can be kind of hard to keep up so to make sure you're up to speed, be sure to listen to Qatar Kickaround for the daily wrap-up of all the action from the tournament. From the group stage all the way to the final, Andy, Lars, and Peter are here for you with recaps and opinions of what happened that day in Qatar. Everything can be found at thekickaround.com, the Cumulus Podcast channel on YouTube, or wherever you listen. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. 22 minutes after 11 o'clock, Tuesday morning, welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Chris, Wes here with you, talking Carolina and Tennessee. I haven't talked a lot of basketball this week, but Josh uh, keeps texting me and telling me to give away a, uh, let's see, some tickets. Let me make sure I get this right. A pair of tickets to the men's game against Upstate. Game is on Friday. So we're not doing that right now. But later on in the show, we'll give you a chance to win some basketball tickets. That's fun. Um, Cam Smith, Spencer Rattler, Nate Adkins, Tonka Hemingway. Whom have we not highlighted? that had a stellar performance on Saturday? Ooh, um, I'm going to throw Darius and Marcellus into the convo just because 
I think, uh, you know, I think maybe this is Herb Street mentioned it when I was rewatching it. They didn't really think that many teams had DBs or cornerbacks specifically who could just go out there and match up with Tennessee and allow the other guys to kind of, uh, you know, go make plays. And, you know, I think Marcellus, give him some credit for stepping up. Like, I think, you know, Darius and Cam have sort of been South Carolina's two most consistent cornerbacks, and Marcellus has kind of been the third guy. Well, you know, when they made the decision to move DQ to safety and um, and play Cam in the slot at nickel, which put him over Jalen Hyatt, that put the onus on Marcellus to have a really, really good game. And, and really, those three guys were going to have to play the whole way mm-hmm. against an opponent that their entire identity is, we're going to wear you down and, you know, go speedball on you, fast tempo, all this stuff. And, uh, and those guys uh, tackled well. They uh, they gave up some plays, but you knew they would. And they had a short memory. They kept going, kept playing. Yeah. They got lined up. If you if you watched Carolina's DBs, um, is like so Tennessee. Obviously, the the second second a play is over, their receivers they got a spot on the field, and you can see they're just like I, I'm going to my spot. Well, Carolina's DBs were doing the exact same thing. It was play is over, sprint to my spot get lined up and um you know I, I think this is one of those games chris and i talked about it yesterday you can go through the entire roster of guys that played somebody everybody did something to mm-hmm. contribute to this win because you don't win a game like that without everybody being involved but um so the deeper we go yeah we can probably show some love to everybody but i, I thought the three of those guys if you just if you had bad corners that game plan doesn't work whatsoever they torch you to go to the offensive side of the ball you know I'll, I'll highlight the two guys that we talked about in the last segment when we were going over the pff grades pff grades are a good reference it's not an end-all be-all because again I, I i couldn't look at anybody on that list so-and-so had a bad game no, no even if the grade says otherwise bad or average nobody on offense i don't think had an average game because like west said everybody contributed so I'd, I'd say to carry on Joyner, I think just his presence, uh, 19 snaps, right? But I remember he got a shout-out for his perimeter blocking. We have talked about that so many times this year. Like, there are a lot of stats where you can say if South Carolina does this, they typically win. Uh, if they block well on the perimeter, they've played well. If they don't, they don't, and it's very noticeable. Um, DeCaryon did a good job blocking, Um did a good job in the pass game in the in the limited action and obviously gave them something at quarterback, administering what, whether it's him running the football or administering uh, some of those plays. Um, his presence there was key. Um, and then Jaheim Bell, I mean, what was big. Um, he did just enough. I mean, averaged 4.8 yards a carry uh, on a lot of those plays. It's not like there was a ton of room to run, but he got up in there inside and got four yards, and that's huge. Um, the, the last week, nothing went right at all offensively, and you're getting, you know, a lot of those runs are no yards or a loss. Um, he gave, he was able to give them some tough runs and then, you know, was an asset in the passing game too. Had, you know, obviously the five catches for 39 yards and, and a couple scores um, out there in the flat. So I thought his his presence was also really important with how they used him and, and what they did. And I think that's the key. I mean, for Jaheim, 
just his usage. I mean, I think it was his season high in snaps. Mm -hmm. 60-something? 60 snaps. I think it might have been 60 even. Uh, So they used him a lot, and they used him well. Uh, Now, one reason he was able to play so much is they stayed on the field. You Mm -hmm. can't play 60 snaps if the entire team plays 50. So. But I, I thought those two guys were deserving as well of a shout-out. Who had the lowest PFF grade, just out of curiosity? Mm. I'll have to look that up for you. Cool. Chris is going to effort that. Uh, y'all will be excited to know that during, well, I don't remember if it was the 9 o'clock or the 10 o'clock hour, but before you got here, Preston officially re-downgraded Josh Heupel to Jeff Heupel. He's back. He's back Back to Jeff Heupel. Um, we did get a text from a and his Jeff. gullet got bigger somehow after uh-huh. the game. His gullet hanging <laughs> off his chin got bigger somehow. He, he's he's getting his gobbler ready for turkey season. <laughs> it must be. What's the temperature instead of Jeff, Jim? Jim Heifel? <laughs> if he loses to Vandy. He's going down to Jim Heifel. Shout out to anybody named Jim out Yeah, there. sorry about well, that. Or Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. So we're going to make somebody unhappy. We, we do have a text from somebody named Jeff that says, can you use another name other than Jeff as an insult for Mr. Heifel? It's a little insulting to the rest of us. All right, done. Jim. We, we, All right, now yeah. here. The, Move on to Jim Heifel. Just lit up. <laughs> at, at what point on Saturday night did he become Jeff again? There was a, there was a point where he was on the sideline sort of crying about uh, – I forget what what play it was, but he was just on the sideline crying and he was shaking his head and I just saw his goblin. Yeah, I saw his lower chin woven around. I was like, oh, look at so this. So you guy. had to actually see him and then it like was made manifest. Yeah, it brought, it brought, it, it, brought it all back. Or Jim, sorry. Jim, sh- shout out to Jeff, man. We appreciate you listening <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Sorry about that. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll change it for you, Jim Heipel now. <laughs> we'll call you Jeffrey. <laughs> um, yeah. I had, some, I had somewhere else I wanted to go with this, but I can't remember now. So tell you what, we'll give you a chance to win some basketball tickets. How about that? If y'all want to go see the Carolina men's basketball game against USC Upstate. Maybe we should just give him to Jeff. Huh? We should just give him mm. to Jeff. Jeffrey like or Jeff? Yeah. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Because we've offended him. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Take, please take this as our as our, uh, our making up for yes. uh, bringing dishonor to your name. If you're still listening, Jeff, let us know if you accept our apology. If not, we'll have to... Make it right. But if you want basketball tickets, 803-404-6100, just be caller number five right now. It's really simple. Call 803-404-6100 and be caller number five, and I will give you, actually Josh will, not Hypel, our salesperson, he will give you a pair of tickets to go see the Carolina men's basketball game against USC Upstate this Friday, 803-404-6100. Caller number If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 800-PSALM-16. That's 800-PSALM-16. 800-PSALM-16. It's that time of year. 
in-law season. But I'm ultra-prepared with AutoBell Car Wash. The team will have my car so clean inside and out, I'll enjoy a judgment-free ride with my in-laws. Right now, buy one Super Poly Process Wash and get one 40% off online at AutoBell.com. Five, good luck. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven thirty-five Tuesday morning. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Talking Carolina, Tennessee. Shane Beamer will wrap things with his weekly press conference a little bit later on this afternoon. 1.30, we'll have it for you live on 107.5 The Game. Also, Spencer Rattler, Darius Rush, Tonka Hemingway, Nate Adkins scheduled to speak today. And our fans will be eager to hear from each one of those guys. Um, we'll have that for you throughout the course of the afternoon here. A quick update. Michael says that it should be Jethro Heupel. Jethro Heupel. Just less likely to offend people, I guess. Done. I want to come back to another uh, tweet from from Michael here that is a good one. But real quick, Jeff has responded. It sounds like he accepts our apology. Thank you, Jeff. But also adds that if Carolina keeps beating people like that, he will change his name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to what? Jethro. No, I don't know. Jeff, let us know. Thank you for okay. we, we, thank you for listening to us, hearing us. We never meant to offend you. This is a great way to move through conflict. I do like Jethro Hypel. <laughs> That's good. It's a mouthful. Or Jim Hypel. Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael's other tweet says, uh, thought that Spencer Rattler on Saturday finally acted like himself out there. Cocky, trash-talking gunslinger. Didn't hold back until now. Felt like he was in his shell. I think that's a very good observation. I think that is, is interesting. I think that is very interesting. Um, and you feel it's kind of it's obviously tough because he's been trying to fight against, and I hate this word, but there's no other way to put it, but a narrative that's been put around who he is as mm-hmm. a person. And maybe sometimes you overcorrect. You overcorrect and you forget some of the stuff that actually made you who you, how you, who you were. And obviously, they're still young folks, so they're trying to calibrate all of that. But that's yeah. a really interesting observation. I mean, you just, you come in, people are criticizing your mentality, your whatever, fair or unfair, and you wake up one day and you're Russell Wilson. Yeah. And you're like, because you just how think, could you, this happen? That, that, <laughs> you, you think that's the right way to do it. Like, oh, Russell says, Russell's boring. Maybe if that's Russell says, for him. let's ride, let me say, let's yeah, ride. Yeah, you know, and then maybe that's not, maybe that's not for you. No, it's not. And, and, and it's, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, it's chicken or egg. Like, you're putting up 63 points on the number five team in the country. Of course, you're having fun. But I would also make the argument that you did that because you were having fun. I, I don't know if Spencer can always channel that. But, we, I mean, all we all knew that that was in there. Like, no one is surprised. He wasn't making throws that people didn't think that he could make. He was making exactly the throws that people thought that he could make. The fact that he was doing it, that he had the time, that he had the confidence, and he had the trust in everybody on his team, from the play caller to the offensive line to his wide receivers— is what stood out to me. And and that's what that's what is so challenging because Carolina is not going to score 63 against Clemson. They're not going to score 53 against Clemson. Maybe they'll score like 42. Who knows? Probably not. It's a really good defense. But it's not like they can't do those things again. It's not like Spencer can't find those throws. It's not like Juice can't get open. It's not like the line can't protect. And I think um, there is that little twinge of uh, kind of disappointment in that has kept some fans from completely enjoying what happened 
not really even because of Spencer's play this year, but just the overall offensive play. You're you're not going to obviously score 60. I mean, that was a once in a who knows how long overall offensive performance. Like, enjoy that. Like, remember remember where you were. Like, that doesn't happen. But can you do some – can the divide between 63 and your punter was your only touchdown (laughs) – be closed a little bit you know what I mean like I think that's I think that was the frustration from some fans it's like this if anything showed that there was the ability from this offense to put up a bunch of points and you know I know you're gonna have some off weeks but there were there have been too many obviously well your off week can't be zero points your off week needs to be like 21 against a Florida defense that was not great like I the honestly I really like Missouri uh, I, I feel like that's a pretty good defense. You could kind of, if you look back, it's not that hard to kind of believe that that happened. But, you know, to to get nothing against Florida, then to do what you did against Tennessee, a Florida team that, by the way, got beat by Vanderbilt uh, this past week, which we have not talked about. I mean, it, it's crazy to see such a big swing there. But, yeah, we saw, to, to get back to the caller's point or texter's point, we saw Spencer at his absolute uh, peak on um, Saturday, and that's why you recruit him. Like, that was the unlocking of what he is capable of doing, and I would just love to have the probably will never see the light of day film from Gamecock Plus or whoever, whoever had the best on-field access if there were some microphones. Mm. I would love to know what was being said uh, during this game. because He was doing a lot of counting. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot of sort of uh, looking to the sidelines from each team, like mm-hmm. looking to the opponent's sideline. Lots of talking, mm-hmm. lots of jawing, um, kind of a chippy game. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know what was being said. But I, I think we saw, you know, Spencer's one of those guys who's going to be at his best when he plays with that air of you can call it confidence, you can call it cockiness, you can call it whatever. But I don't, I don't want my quarterback to be meek. Like for exactly. whatever, whatever criticisms, well, again, fair or unfair, warranted or unwarranted, came with Spencer Rattler as he came to Columbia, I don't care. You, you don't you don't bring him here. I mean, this sounds like shallow and, and maybe not true, but you're not bringing him here to be a pillar of the community. He's going to be here for 10 months and then he's gone. You're bringing him here to throw a hell of a lot of touchdown passes. Like, you don't need him to... You don't need him to be the face of your program. You just need him to throw a lot of touchdown passes. And if he wants to be cocky, if he wants to count how many touchdowns he's got on his fingers, like... Let him do that. Well, you want him to be the guy that uh, the opponents and the opponents' fans hate, yes, but that you love. And when he's stiff armed, dude, going yeah. out of bounds, and was the one delivering the contact, that's when you. I mean, you already kind of knew, but I was like, okay, he is on one today. Also, simultaneously, while proving that he had a cannon, he also proves my other theory that he's not an athlete <laughs> because uh, was it a third and nine, and he slid at eight, eight. I was like, oh man. Yep. He's I was just watching that play. Third and eight, he slid at seven. He let it slid at seven. <laughs> Not the best, but there was one play. That one might have been it where the spot was. <laughs> that's the only thing that kept him from getting bad. a perfect grade all night. Yep. That that's what kept him from the one hundred. <laughs> that's it. And I felt like to to give him credit, it wasn't a full baseball slide. Like I feel like he was kind of trying to like uh, It was I, even worse. I, it was an awkward I, slide. Not yeah, a, because he was in between do mm. I dive forward? Um, it's because he's not a slide and definitely not dual threat. He's a quarterback. Did make some plays with his legs, but doesn't have to mean he's dual threat. Both those things can be true, right? <laughs> on on the first, you know, drive of the game, like 
I think that really set the tone, you know, like to come out because Tennessee was 100% scoring on that first drive, mm-hmm. right? Like regardless yeah. of whether or not South Carolina did, I mean, it was easy. It, it was not easy the rest of the game. That drive was easy. Had a couple busts, right, for South Carolina. But they came out, and look, go look at the plays. It's not anything different from what they've been running this year, really. They, they had Joyner in on a couple of those plays. Mm. But I, you didn't see anything on that first drive where you go, well, this is new. No. But the difference was, you know, maybe when they called those plays, maybe how they coached them during the week or some pointers they gave. Uh, but they converted a third and six mm. with an amazing throw by Spencer. Uh, he had the third and eight scramble, the third and seven scramble, got in position for a fourth and one, converted that. They converted a fourth and six. And then they had a touchdown pass to Jaheim on a play we've seen them run a lot, and it, it worked. The difference was, and I don't know if this is what they were calling or the way that they coached Spencer up or, or what, but Carolina used the middle of the field in the passing game yep. a lot more on Saturday than pretty much every other game except for maybe Arkansas. And I don't know if that was the types of plays they were calling or where they wanted Spencer's reads to be or if it was just a matter of him finding those guys. Like, I don't know if that's on Spencer or on Marcus or, or, or what, but they used the middle of the field to great effect. The third and 20 to Juice Wells over the field, and I was watching the second half yesterday, Wes, you showed me the side-by-side where they ran the same concept with, like, the really deep, like, the 18-yard dig. It was the same It was the same play. They just haven't run play. those plays this year. And, and part of it's because they haven't had the time, but the protection was so solid all day. It kind of afforded them that opportunity, I think. I thought that play also demonstrated the difference in the mindset of the two defenses. Like, both, both of those plays, Tennessee dropped back and played coverage and mm-hmm. sat in zone. And Carolina said, we're going to play man and, and go after you. Yeah, they regardless, brought six every, every play, it felt Regardless like. of down and distance. And, um... You know, Carolina kind of, I mean, it was like the same exact play mm-hmm. that they got them on with the same exact execution. Um, but there there were several moments in that game where you're just like, this is South Carolina's night. Like, it's just their night. Yeah. So with that in mind, we're not fully moving on yet. We're not talking about Clemson yet. We'll start that tomorrow. But one eye on Tennessee, one eye on the rest of the week. We all kind of laid out and agreed that it wasn't a total fluke even if it's not exactly replicable. But Preston has introduced an incredible elephant into the room. Depending on the health of South Carolina's, to this point, best proven playmaker on offense, who is considered to be questionable. But what does South Carolina take away from Saturday? How much do they try to replicate it against Clemson? How much is this now the bread and butter of this team? And how much was it an aberration? We'll start to look ahead to what that matchup might look like next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Ten minutes in front of noon. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris wrapping things up here on a Notebook Dump Tuesday. Shane Beamer press conference coming up in about an hour and a half player availability before that and then tomorrow we'll officially start turning our attention to the carolina clemson game before we do that though one big question looming in my opinion over this week is that south carolina has clearly stumbled into something this is a team that wanted its identity to be ball control marcus Adderfield said run 58 plays a game run for 275 pass for 225 those were his words that's what he wanted to do and it looked like with marshawn lloyd as the focal point of the offense that was that was the way to go 
But South Carolina, even though they ran the ball reasonably well, they were clearly pass first and pass often on Saturday. If Marshawn Lloyd is healthy, how do you integrate him into what Carolina did Saturday? Or do you go back to where you wanted your bread to be buttered all season long? I um, I think, obviously, every game plan is going to be opponent-dependent to an extent. But I think you got to lean into a lot of what you saw this past week. Um, maybe not quite to that extent because you're going to be facing a Tennessee or excuse me, a Clemson pass rush that um, probably the most one of the most talented fronts you're going to face all year long. So I, I think you kind of, in a perfect world, hope that you can sort of do what you did this past week, but complement it a little bit more with a dynamic running back. And I, I wonder, you know, did did we all lean a little bit too much into the? Does this team have to be? our run first, give Marshawn the ball. Um, well, that, I mean, that was what we heard from the coaches and the players. Yeah, We're but, just leaning on the information that they give us, and they're inside the program, so we got to default to them, right? No, we were talking about Marshawn. Why didn't Marshawn get the ball? He's got to get the ball 25 times a game. Um, you know, he ha- he, if he's not touching the ball, um, that's not smart. Whereas the ultimate goal for any great offense, I think, is that you can – spread the ball around and, and do what we saw on Saturday. Now, that's difficult to do because you have to be able to execute a number of different things, a number of different mm-hmm. skills to do that. Um, you know, if anything, Marshawn not being in there did force them to have to get more creative. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, you know, if he plays, can you sort of re-implement him while still doing some of the other things and not have people say, well, why aren't you giving the ball to Marshawn the second things go bad. Yeah, Chris, is it as simple as he just gets Jaheim 17 carries? Marshawn gets them? Yeah. Like those 17 just go to well, Marshawn he, from he's going to get more for sure. I mean, he's going to get probably, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. he's going to pick up at least most of those and then you figure out so other ways So you do swing back in that direction. Because, I mean, after what you saw, yeah. don't you want Spencer throwing it 37 times again against a Clemson secondary that's been the weak point of their defense? Yeah, swing back in the direction. I, I think you you keep doing what you did against Tennessee philosophically. Okay. I do think that Marshawn picks up Jaheim's snaps if he's healthy or most of them at running back, and then you integrate Jaheim in some other ways, whether it's getting him carries or, you know, just other different things in the passing game. Um, but but it is a good point that, like, kind of where do you go? Because I remember at the beginning of the season, I certainly thought there's questions about the run game. They've lost Kevin Harris to Quandre White. Right, they they didn't run it that well last year. You've got Spencer Rattler. You got these receivers. So naturally, you know, my thought was pass to set up the run. Well, they didn't have a lot of success with that. Here comes Marshawn Lloyd. Okay, this team's identity. They're all searching for an identity. Now maybe it's run to set up the pass. That really didn't make it click either. And so if they can kind of, you know, two games left. But if the, if Marshawn can return, we don't know yet. Don't have any idea here on Tuesday. Uh, but I, I think that's where where they would lean because, look, you, you mentioned those 17 carries. I mean, Jaheim, I thought, did a great job with those. A lot of that was yards after contact, tough runs. Marshawn has shown a knack for that. Mm-hmm. So if he can run inside, he can bounce it outside. Um, if he could give you that element too, then you might have something. But it, it is an interesting balance. Like getting Marshawn back does not make you a worse team. Yeah. <laughs> that improves you, but – 
it does give you some decisions from a personnel standpoint about, you know, which direction do you go. Preston, Marshawn, if he's healthy, is going to be expecting a full workload. And Spencer is going to be expecting to do what he did last week. Someone's feelings are getting hurt in the locker room, assuming he's healthy, correct? Or is there a way to make this copacetic? No, this is, we can make this copacetic because you can just point to the success they had last week. And, and this is why who matters so much. Obviously don't know him personally, but I feel pretty confident thinking that Marshawn would accept a bit role or a, a spot role for the greater good of the team yeah. in this particular instance. Again, I don't know him personally, but just from all reports and all things that we do know, that's something that he would do and he would excel in that position. Yeah. Marshawn has mentioned in the past, uh, even during the recruiting process, remember Carolina was recruiting Marshawn and Tank Bigsby at mm-hmm. the same time? And Marshawn even right. mentioned, like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Like, uh, means yeah. I don't. And so, that was I mean, a difference maker for Tank, right? Because he, he wanted to be the guy. Yeah, Wasn't that this, more despite the... what he said publicly, yeah, I think that was definitely a factor. They yeah. got Marshawn, and then that yeah. you know, magically fell off with Tank. But, I mean, <laughs> look, 17 carries, that's pretty good for a back in a game. That gives yeah, Marshawn yeah. plenty if they can get to what, that You know, number. 80 on the ground. It's not one-to-one 82. for the defense, yeah. like, we, like we mentioned. But, you know, there were, there were at least two plays that I remember. And Jaheim ran that that's the best he's run all year in my opinion but there were one or two plays where it's like there's that's the cutback that Marshawn sees the Jaheim's not a running back so he he and it was you know maybe still a good run but would have been 10 more yards if it was Marshawn in there yeah it's just difficult because it just changes personnel groupings as as Chris said yeah now is it's I don't know I don't know the coaches I have some decisions to make for sure yeah hopefully they do because hopefully he's healthy it may not matter the decision may be out of their hands Shane Beamer will have an update on that almost certainly Later on this afternoon, one thirty is his press conference. And, of course, we'll have it for you live here on 107.5 The Game. That's all we have time for. We'll be back again tomorrow. Start to look ahead more to the Clemson game. Appreciate you all listening. I know it's been a fun first couple days of the week. It'll be a fun back half of the week as well. Appreciate you all listening. As always, Halftime Show is coming up next. You're worried about the economy. Inflation is high. Your paycheck doesn't cover as much as it used to. And we live under the threat of a looming recession. And sure, you're doing okay, but you could be doing better. The Afford Anything podcast explains the economy and the market, detailing how to make wise choices on the way you spend and invest. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.